Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 466 for Tuesday, the 23rd of August, 2016. It's nice to see you. I'm Robbie Ferguson, your host. And tonight we are going to be hanging out, just you and me. Uh, No co-host tonight. We're doing this old school style. And that gives me a good opportunity to crack into that mailbag and uh, approach some of the questions that you've sent in. So I'm really looking forward to this and the the time that we have together tonight. Uh, Before we get into it, though, here are the top stories that are coming up from the Category 5.TV newsroom. Facebook has opened up its source code for a significant artificial intelligence system. Also, a serious exploit exists in all Cisco routers that will give hackers full access to the data going through that network. It seemed inevitable Uber is deploying self-driving cars. And happy Internet Day! Today, if you can believe it, is the 25th anniversary of the World Wide Web. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome back. I'm Robbie Ferguson, your host, and so nice that we could have this time together tonight. It's been a while since I've done a solo show, and uh, so I've got computers all around me. I know you can't see them, but I've got one here, one here, one here, and uh, one up there. So I'm trying to maintain everything. I'm going to do my best to hold things together and uh, get through everything with you tonight. But the most important thing to me is getting into the mailbag and uh, addressing the questions that you've sent in to us. I know that sometimes we have trouble getting to your questions. And so I thought, hey, tonight is a great night for me to just, you know, let's take it back to where this show began. And that is helping the viewers, answering your questions as best as I possibly can. I may not know all the answers, but I'm willing to share with you what I do know. And uh, I'll do my absolute best. So stick around. We're going to be cracking in that mailbag in just a couple minutes time you probably see this star trek drone over my shoulder over here ha i love it i don't know if you guys can see i'm gonna just fire it up for a second here just so if i can there's the switch oh that's the enterprise ncc 1701a drone that came to us from air hogs for the drone zone and if you haven't checked out the drone zone yet it's the drone zone.tv and of course uh, our very first video release was the unboxing of the starship enterprise so very excited about this one and uh, we're going to be flying it around over the course of the series and uh, you know we've been waiting a long time to be able to actually fly the uss enterprise so if you are a trekkie that's one for you to not to miss. TheDroneZone.tv. Uh, quick mention again that our torrent server is up. If you go to torrent.category5.tv, you're going to be able to download all of the past eight seasons of Category 5 Technology TV in their entirety. So you can actually download one season at a time, and uh, you're going to have the best possible quality of each of the videos from each of the seasons so keep in mind if you go back to seasons one two three you're looking at some pretty low res uh video and uh that was when we first started the show it gives you some interesting an interesting kind of backstage look at how far this show has come uh here we are in beautiful barry ontario at studio d our studio is a beautiful space which you're going to get to see on uh, our special that's coming up on september 27th uh, because we're going to be filming in in 360 video but our studio here uh, of course is a lot different than the way we started up I started the show uh, in the basement of our home my family home 
and uh, started it with just a webcam because we wanted to be able to help people and, and uh, answer tech questions and things like that. So that's what I mean by tonight is really kind of going back to our roots. Uh, but those torrents are really cool because you can get all of those old episodes. You can watch them whenever you feel like it and keep them handy. Uh, if you have the capability, please do seed those torrents as well. And I thank you if you are already seeding them. Uh, we've got a, a good selection of people that are already seeding those torrents. If you're not familiar with BitTorrent, what it is is it's basically a file sharing uh, protocol. And what it allows us to do is we provide what's called a seed. So all of those episodes are now available to be downloaded by BitTorrent. Once you've downloaded the entire season, uh, and even during the process of while you're downloading it, other people can also be downloading it at the same time. So it really plays into the whole community aspect of the show, and I don't know why we didn't do it sooner. Um, but so if you, user number one is currently downloading season two, and then user number two comes on and starts downloading season two as well, now you're downloading it not just from our server, but also from user number one, the stuff that they've already downloaded. So you get this distributed network of um, the available episodes episodes being downloaded to your computer makes it faster, makes it decentralized so that it's not all coming from our own resources here and costing us uh, all the, the, the cost of bandwidth. And we're kind of sharing that with those of you who are seeding. So uh, if you want to download it at home and then share it on your home internet, if you've got unlimited bandwidth, that's a great opportunity for you to help other people get a hold of the show. And of course, if you're going away or say you're, uh, you know, you're going to be inaccessible by internet, you're not going to be able to watch the show live uh, or on demand, then it's a great opportunity for you to download all of the seasons, get them on your device and be able to watch them whenever you want offline. Very cool stuff. I mentioned about uh, episode 471, that's September 27th. And just a quick mention again, that what we're going to be doing is really it's really kind of cool. I'm excited about this. There's a company uh, that is sending us a 360 video camera. It's a 4K camera, and it's going to sit right where the camera is right now uh, that you're watching. The camera that you're watching right now is a 1080p uh, DSLR. So all that you see is what's in front of the camera. Now with this 4K 360 video camera, it's actually filming all around in 360 degrees uh, all the way up to the ceiling uh, at all times. So with a headset, say you've got Google Cardboard with your phone, you're actually able to look around the studio. If you turn around physically, you're going to actually be looking behind the camera, so you're going to see what's over there. Um, so as people come and go throughout the evening, because we're going to have some co-hosts of Days Gone By and all of the your current co-hosts as well, uh, they're going to be here, and you're going to be able to turn your head and actually see the people that are here in the room. And then we're also opening up the, uh, the Skype video. So if you've got a webcam, make sure you get that all pre-tested. Um, Skype video is your chance to call into the studio and you'll be able to actually talk with us live in 360 video. That's going to be really cool. Uh, and you'll be able to chat with us uh, during that special two-hour uh, um, special. The special two-hour special. 
See how many times I can say special. Uh, that is all to kick off season 10 because September 27th, not sure if you're aware, but that is when season 10 of Category 5 Technology TV begins. So I'm very excited about that. It's also going to be a challenge for me from a technological standpoint because I've got to make sure that those go up to you and you're able to watch those on demand following the show. It's going to be a lot different working with 360 video. Uh, we've got a great team of folks that are helping to make that happen, uh, including Nathan Salapat, who is working on a 360 intro for that special. So you're going to be walking through a hallway in 360 video, able to look around that hallway, and you're going to see segments from all of the past eight, uh, nine seasons of Category 5 Technology TV. So it's going to be really, really neat. It's, it's certainly an event uh, here at the show that you don't want to miss. If you do miss it live, if you're not able to be here live, of course, I'm going to be uploading that to YouTube in 360 video. So you're going to be able to watch it again. It's still in 360 video. And for those of you who are watching on your TV, we're going to have a standard version available for you as well that's going to be edited in such a way that even without a headset, you're going to be able to enjoy the show. All right, we've got to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to be cracking into that mailbag and tackling those questions that you've been sending in to live at Category5.tv. So stick around. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category5.tv network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.tv slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, Because... Cat5.tv slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about computer... Uh consumer electronics those make a great gift absolutely from high-tech watches to action cameras headphones even virtual reality headsets cat5.tv slash gearbest has you covered they literally have it all jeff literally really it's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb yeah, I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of ele- uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. Both men and women, fashionable apparel at rock bottom, super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cap5.tv slash gear best. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, But of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash GearBest. See, that's easy. Cat5.tv slash GearBest. That's right. Happy shopping. 
This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. I'm Robbie Ferguson, and you're watching episode number 466. I'm flying solo tonight because we wanted to get into the mailbag and tackle some of the questions that you've been sending in over the past little while. I feel bad when we miss them, and I hope you know that. Uh, I do sometimes get emails from you following up and saying, look, I sent in a question a couple weeks ago, and I haven't heard, and I've been watching the show, and you haven't touched any viewer questions. We get a lot of emails here at the show, and we also uh, try to give you a really good variety, but really it comes down to we really want more time to sit down like this and have some one-on-one time with you so that um, so that we can tackle those questions. And sometimes that means drop-in format as, as far as it goes. No interviews tonight, no crazy stuff going on, no unboxings or anything like that. Um, just so that we can specifically take the time to, to spend it with you. So I don't know if the questions that we're going to do tonight, uh, that we're going to be looking at tonight, are going to take us through to a full hour. I don't know if they're going to take us through to two hours. This could be a half-hour show, for all I know. This could be a seven-hour show. I'm ready for it. I have no co-hosts who are, need to get home, so let's make it happen. Uh, I'm leaning more toward the 45 to an hour, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So thank you for sending in your questions uh, over the past little while. Uh, you can send in your questions to live at category5.tv. And, of course, you can go to our website, which is category5.tv. And on that website, you'll find the links in order to submit a question. You'll also find links on ways to support the show. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing a uh, product through our partners. And you'll find that on the Support Us uh, uh, menu item. And a big seller this week, again, has been the Raspberry Pi Model 3 kit. And a lot of folks are giving that a go. And uh, we're actually getting the impression that a lot of uh, the folks that are buying that are, are now using it for NEMS, the Nagios Enterprise Management System, uh, the monitoring system that I set up which is available on my blog. You can go to baldnerd.com and look for NEMS, N-E-M-S, and uh, that's right on the main menu. But that tool allows you to monitor your network, and it's free software that you can uh, download and and, uh, burn onto your SD card and put it on a Raspberry Pi 3, and it gives you a a full Nagios deployment so that you can monitor. If you're not familiar with Nagios, what it does is it allows you to monitor network assets. So if you have servers, websites, things like that, computers on your network and you want to know that they're always up and running uh, it's perfect for enterprise it's also good for home networks and things as well and and certainly a fun uh, a fun project for you to set up uh, but certainly in enterprise it's important to be able to know if something is going wrong with one of our servers for example so if cpu load goes really high on the domain controller i want to know about it so nagios and nems is the product that i created that uh, runs on a raspberry pi 3 based on nagios uh, it notifies you by email it lets you generate graphs and see reports and things like that Um, so thank you to everyone who has been checking out nems and also purchasing the raspberry pi 3 kit through us in order to support that freely available project i really appreciate that hello to our chat room as well Um, i will definitely have a uh, you know a little bit of a challenge to try to keep up with everything that's going on around me tonight without a co-host if you're in the chat room and you want to get my attention, double-click on my name, Robbie F., and then send me a private message just to say what your question is, <clears throat> and I will uh, try to open those. Those will kind of catch my eye a little bit easier because they pop up on my screen. Don Batman, first question in the chat room, wants to know if I actually crashed the USS Enterprise. That's a drone from Airhogs that we're reviewing on the dronezone.tv. 
<clears throat> so far, Don, all that I've done is unboxed it. And you're going to see everything that happens with that drone and every other drone that's been sent to us. Um, <clears throat> and it's crazy how many manufacturers have come on board for the drone zone. I'm trying to keep up. But um, so I'm being careful not to. I haven't even flown the, the Enterprise yet. I'm really excited to do that. But I'm going to be doing that on camera. So if I crash it, you will know and you will see it just as I see it. So you don't want to miss the drone zone. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so remember, private message me on IRC if you want to get my attention. And if you're watching this on demand, no worries. Send me an email live at category5.tv. All right, let's get into the, the, uh, the mailbag here. All right. I've got a question here from Michael Mercier. And Michael says, hey, Robbie, I just started in website development and I'm building a WordPress website, but I'm experiencing slow page loading. I talked to my host, Bluehost, but they wanted hundreds of dollars to optimize my website for speed. Do you have any recommendations on how I can improve the load speed? Also, any recommendations on WordPress premium uh, themes or fast, cheap hosting? Thanks for your help from Michael Mercier. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for your email. And Michael, I'm sorry you're having trouble with it. Um, check out, um, you know, if you do a search on our website or an easy way to find content on Category 5 is simply to use Google and, and do a search. But let's head over to Google. I'm going to show you, first of all, before I answer your question as best I can, I'm going to show you what I would do. So I would go over to Google and I would type WordPress and then site colon category5.tv and then you're going to get a list of all of the different episodes where we have covered WordPress so you're going to see things like WordFence security plugin for WordPress important that you secure your site because part of the slowness issue may be that somebody's trying to whack away at your website and find vulnerabilities because as soon as you install WordPress which is open source software there are scripts that go out on the web and find WordPress deployments and they submit that list once they find those to botnets and DDoS services and things that will try to attack your website. And, you know, a lot of times this is because they make money on those things. Sometimes they're able to uh, infiltrate your site in such a way that they can add advertising uh, in the back end and things like that. Sometimes it's just to be cruel and take down the interweb. But that's important. So check out episode number 365. So go through the list, uh, starting way back with 176, becoming a blogger from season four, uh, starting a blog with WordPress on 357. So there's a ton of content here. And that is from a search for WordPress space site colon category 5tv That's going to give you some good content that we've already created just for you so that you can learn how to use WordPress. Okay, so WordPress slowness can have to do a lot with your hosting. Bluehost is a shared hosting server, and there's nothing wrong with that. But with shared hosting servers, you have uh, a little bit of space on a big server. But so does a thousand other people. So if you install WordPress and your website is getting attacked, then what happens is this shared hosting server now says, okay, this one is using a lot of CPU resources, <clears throat> which is taking away from the resources that are available to all these other shared users. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn down this user's account, and it's all automatic, so it's not something that they're doing to thwart you. It's that 
their system now says, okay, you're using too much CPU, for example, so we're going to turn down how much CPU you are allocated. So now your website is perceptively slow because as this stuff is happening on your website, the, the CPU has been throttled on the server to make way for everyone else who's using that shared hosting platform. And so it's really affecting your website's performance. That's one thing. Bluehost is uh, is one shared hosting provider. I'm going to turn you on to one that is a partner of ours. And not only are they a shared hosting provider, but they're they're a little bit faster than the competition. And that's partly because all of their servers have been upgraded to solid state hard drives. It's modern hardware. It's running Debian on the OS, and they are all LAMP stack systems. Uh, if you go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost, that's D-R-E-A-M-H-O-S-T, you're going to see a competitor to Bluehost, but they are a partner with us. They're a company called Dreamhost, and you want to go through that link, cat5.tv slash dreamhost, and by doing that, you're going to get a really super deal. It's like $5.78 a month for shared hosting, and it's a good spot for you to put your WordPress site. And they'll work with you to determine if you need to upgrade your package. You can do things like dedicated hosting, and that then gives takes away all that throttling and says, okay, you've got all the, the capacity of this server, uh, or at least a VPS, a virtual private server, so that even when your site is under heavy load, it's going to um, still operate fairly well. But that said, okay, you really got to look at the fact that maybe your site is being whacked away at speed, uh, slowness means there's something going on, there's something using a lot of resources. One of the things that I'll, I'll just give you a little tip uh, on WordPress is as, as tempting as it is, do not go through the add plugin feature, finding everything that you find to be cool and adding it, okay? There's a lot of great content that's freely available for WordPress, a lot of great plugins. Every time that you add a plugin, you're adding more resource usage to your blog or your website. So if you're not familiar with one and it happens to, you know, these are all third-party developed things. So WordPress in and of itself is a great solid architecture. But if you add a plugin that is poorly written, poorly coded, or maybe has some exploits in it, or maybe has um, some performance issues in it, it's going to affect your website. So you, you want to be careful of what you add. Uh, if in doubt, contact us. Pop me an email live at category5.tv. Uh, get a hold of the, uh, you know, the community of WordPress users and say, you know, what do you guys think of this? And do some testing. If you add just kind of one plugin at a time and do some testing, then you're going to get uh, a good sense of what plugins are affecting performance. But some plugins will indeed cause some real performance issues. So you want to be careful of that only use the good stuff. But again, it goes back to having a good security plugin is, is essential. WordFence is one that I absolutely love, and we've looked at it on the show, so you want to check it out, and we'll show you exactly how to set it up and everything. And uh, that helps not only to um, protect your site from, say, someone guessing your password, which is a big problem on WordPress. Remember, it's open source, so they know every WordPress site is whatever your .com is slash wp-login.php. That's your login form. So anyone can write a script to go out and find all of these WordPress sites and whack away at that login form because it's the same URL everywhere. There's no point in really hiding it. There's no chance, you know, security through obscurity is not the way to go. But having something in place like WordFence that says, hey, you guessed the password wrong five times, you are now blocked. 
and it blocks their IP address, that's good. So that's one thing that it does, but it also checks your plugins that are installed on your WordPress installation, and it makes sure that they have not been tampered with. It'll even warn you if the plugin that you have is potentially unwanted or dangerous. So uh, watch out for that. Another note, just a final thought um, as we look at this. We had a viewer who um, had me look at their WordPress site, gave me administrator access, and I looked in because he was having a very bad problem with stuff going weird with this website. And turns out he had installed a antivirus plugin on his WordPress installation. Again, going through the ad plugins, thought, hey, antivirus, that sounds great. So he added it to his, um, his deployment. And it actually contained viral malware in the antivirus. It was a trick to get people to install it, and it was then distributing viruses through his website. And then Google, of course, flagged it as a malware distribution site, and they don't care about what plugins you're using. They just say, hey, you're distributing malware, so we're going to block you and blacklist you and warn your users that it's potentially unsafe. So again, watch out for those uh, potentially unwanted plugins. Thank you so much for the question. Uh, I'm going to move on from WordPress, and we're going to look at an email here from Starflight Chilliwack, a.k.a. Courtney from British Columbia. Courtney, nice to have you watching the show. Thanks for being here. Courtney was watching the show and said, you know what? I've uh, been looking at this SJ cam that you were looking at uh, last year, the SJ4000. It's a Wi-Fi action cam that we looked at uh, on one of our cottage specials, actually, uh, and mentioning that it has dropped in price to $94.99 Canadian. That's fantastic. Now, this is, again, something that's available through our partners, and not to turn it into an advertisement, Courtney, but I want to tell you, I've been watching the SJ Cam series, uh, the line of products as well. And of course, following our review of the SJ4000, out came the SJ5000X. The SJ5000X is still a great 1080p camera. It's got the Wi Fi, it's got everything else, but they've made some enhancements. First of all, it has 2.7K video. So it's higher resolution than the 1080p SJ4000. Also, it can create interpolated uh, video at 4K resolution. So it's not true 4K, don't get me wrong, it's not an actual 4K action cam like the more expensive GoPro, but you can create um, 4K video and what it does is it uses computer technology built into the brains of the camera to, to figure out, okay, if this was a 4K video, what would the pixels have in them so it factors in you know what what should be there so it's interpolation it creates a 4k video based on the 2.7k and it actually does a really good job but i like the 2.7k video feature and i'll tell you one of the main things that i love about the sj5000x that is that it has a built-in gyroscope so what that means is as you're moving around and you're shaking and things like that and you've got it on your head and you're biking and you're going over the bumps, it has a floating sensor that actually, it's way better than um, um, stabilization in the traditional sense. It actually gives like a steady cam look to the video. It's amazing. Uh, so you're looking at the, the camera screen and you're moving around and it's unbelievable how smooth this video is in your hand. It looks like you're holding a steady cam or something like that. So it's really impressive. Um, on our website, going back to the action cam, if you go to 
cat5.tv slash action cam. And that's going to take you to our store. Again, I don't want to turn this into an advertisement, but I do want to show you. So there's the SJ4000 that we've always carried since we reviewed it. And let's look at that for you, Courtney. Uh, you were mentioned that the price has come down in Canadian dollars. Oh, and there's the review. So in Canadian dollars right now, it's about 103.77. So it fluctuates and changes. In US dollars, that one is down at uh, 71.49. And in pounds, it's going to be unavailable at this time. If we go back to that cat5.tv slash action cam now, you see the SJ5000X. And if we go to that one, so keep in mind that 103 for the for the other one, the SJ4000, so 175.96 for the one that I'm telling you about. Uh, I kind of feel like that um, that gyroscope, the, the really smooth video, it makes it worth it. Oh, and you want to know the other thing, Courtney, that I love about the SJ5000X? It has built-in defishing. If you ever shot video with an action cam and it, everything around the edge looks curved so you've got the trees that are supposed to be straight and they actually bow like this around the edge of the video uh, the SJ5000X has built-in defishing so it actually removes that curvature from the video as you shoot it you don't have to do any post-production or anything like that so I really feel like it's worth the extra 70 72 dollars or so uh, and that again is available at cat5.tv slash action cam check it out Okay, we've got to take uh, a few moments to get into the news. I want to take a look at uh, the news stories that I mentioned at the top of the show. And when we come back from that, uh, we are going to be continuing on with our viewer questions, all the questions that you've sent in. Tim A., I see you there. I know that you're waiting for an answer, and I've got that for you coming up. And uh, a couple of others as well. I see a great list of, uh, of folks that have sent in their questions, so stick around. Jeff Weston. Yeah, man. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. Ooh. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run, if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama Papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're going to find. $5 and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. I'm Robbie Ferguson, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. Back in June, Facebook announced that it was working behind the scenes on creating bots that would understand everything its users type. So if, for example, you message a friend about needing a ride, it will prompt the social media app to bring up a button offering an Uber or a Lyft. Now, Facebook is letting everyone use the software that powers that artificial intelligence. In a blog post on Thursday, Facebook announced that it is open-sourcing fast text. 
a library of code used to identify words and make AI stronger. It works by using a classification system, placing words into categories and subcategories instead of trying to actually understand them the same way that a human brain would. It also learns prefixes, suffixes, and root words. These shortcuts let it learn crazy fast. Uh, what would normally take days for other machine learning systems, fast text can do it in seconds. Facebook says it can process one billion words in just 10 minutes. So why is Facebook giving it away for free? Well, for starters, offering it up might help Facebook gain favor within the coding community, uh, maybe making it more likely that some of the best developers in the world will want to work for Facebook. But maybe more importantly, opening fast text up uh, to coders and engineers all over the world means more people will have the opportunity to study it and to offer feedback, giving Facebook an easy way to continually improve its technology. Fast text is available in Facebook's GitHub. In addition to English, it currently works with German, Spanish, French, and Czech. Cisco Systems has confirmed that recently leaked malware tied to the National Security Agency exploited a high severity vul vulnerability that had gone undetected for years in every supported version of the company's adaptive security appliance firewall. The previously unknown flaw makes it possible for remote attackers who have already gained a foothold in a targeted network to gain full control over a firewall. Cisco warned in an advisory published Wednesday, the bug poses a significant risk because it allows attackers to monitor and control all data passing through a vulnerable network. To exploit the vulnerability, an attacker must control a computer already authorized to access the firewall, or the firewall must have been misconfigured to omit this standard safeguard. The vulnerability, which Cisco rated as high, is all the more menacing given the release over the weekend of hacking tools that exploit the Cisco vulnerability. Attacks can now be carried out by a much larger base of hackers. Cisco has yet to actually patch the vulnerability, and instead, the company is releasing signatures that can detect the exploits and stop them before they allow an attacker to seize control of vulnerable networks. Another workaround is to disable SNMP altogether. Check for that setting in your Cisco router, a Cisco representative said the company will release a patch in the near future. I think the my concern with this kind of an exploit, I mean, we think about the fact that, okay, a hacker has to actually gain access to a network, but what happens when one of the users on a network actually falls for one of these phone uh, scammers that trick you into installing, deploying a remote access tool? in the back end of your computer, or a malware that comes in. Malware that allows remote access to a computer is very common. So if I get malware on my computer that now allows a remote hacker into my computer, and this computer is on the network of the Cisco router, and even if the Cisco router is set up so that external remote uh, administration is not allowed. That's what they're encouraging people to check for. Um, the problem is, is now I've got a LAN connection. I can connect in and access it that way. But it goes even deeper because there are a lot of Internet of Things devices that can be exploited because people install them and they don't think, hey, maybe I should change the, the default password on my fridge. 
right? To make a silly example. But, uh, you know, think of, uh, you know, all the different devices that are out there that have SSH access, that with that access, somebody could easily compromise an internal network and access things like this Cisco um, exploit, which would allow them to monitor all of the traffic going through that network. That's kind of scary. So we got to watch out not just for the exploit in the Cisco routers, but make sure if you get new devices, change the password, set up a, a strong password. I think of the example of a home network where you order new internet service from your ISP, or maybe your modem died and they send you a new one. Out of the box, those modems and those, uh, those routers, they have routers built into the modem, they contain default passwords and default settings that are easily exploited by somebody who knows what those settings are. So if you don't, as a first uh, step, change those passwords, change the settings of those devices, well, somebody in the know would be able to access your network and uh, then could exploit something more serious like this Cisco issue. So... If you're running any device whatsoever, it doesn't just have to be Cisco. Make sure you check those passwords, make sure they're nice and strong, and make sure you are not using any default passwords on any of your devices. Okay, jumping back into the news, let's see what we've got for you. Oh, yeah! We knew this was happening. The ride-sharing firm Uber is going to, for the first time, allow users to hail self-driving cars, and it's happening within the next couple of weeks. Uber said that the launch would take place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it added that it was teaming up with Volvo. At first, the vehicles will be supervised by a human driver who can take control if necessary, as well as an observer. Huh, so they're equipping it with a backseat back driver. Oh, boy. More than one million people drive vehicles linked to Uber but are not directly employed by the company. Uh, a spokeswoman for Uber told the BBC, and this is a quote, starting later this month, Uber will allow customers in downtown Pittsburgh to summon self-driving cars from their phones, crossing an important milestone that no automotive or technology company has yet achieved. The quote continues, in Pittsburgh, customers will request cars the normal way via Uber's app and will be paired, pardon me, with a driverless car at random. Trips in those cars will be free for the time being, rather than the standard local rate. Volvo has already sent a small number of sensor-equipped XC90 SUVs to Uber, which will be used in the initial, initial trials, and the car maker intends to have delivered 100 such cars to Uber by the end of the year. I have to comment, not to digress, but the taxi cab drivers were really, really upset about Uber. There were petitions, uh, petitions, as you know, and some of them got pretty nasty. Well, now Uber is seemingly cutting out their own drivers, the folks that are using the app in order to make money and are the ones who were providing services to people hailing Uber cars. And they're cutting them out by bringing in these autonomous vehicles. And other concerns, of course, surround things like, you know, how well tested are these? They're going to put them on, on the road uh, just a couple of weeks from now. Are they ready for uh, actual use and are they safe? And of course, being that they have human driver and human backseat driver in the car, the presumption is that they're going to be paying attention. They're going to have their hands on the wheel. Thank you very much, Tesla. And uh, they're going to be paying attention so that if anything goes wrong, for example, a white truck pulling out in front of you, they're going to be able to take control 
and save the day like a boss. Okay, onwards and upwards. Hey, happy Internaut Day. On this day, 25 years ago, the world's first website went live to the public. The site, created by Sir Tim Berners-Lee, was a basic text web page with hyperlinked words that connected to other pages within the site. Berners-Lee used the public launch to outline his plan for the service, which would come to dominate life in the 21st century. The world's first website read... (laughs) Thank you, Thunderbird, for popping up there. Thank you so much for that. The world's first website read, The WWW Project merges the techniques of information uh, retrieval and hypertext to make an easy but powerful global information system. The project started with the philosophy that much academic information should be freely available to anyone. Berners-Lee wanted the World Wide Web to be a place where people could, what, play Pokemon Go? No. He wanted them to share information across the world through documents and links navigated with a simple search function. The founding website contained basic instructions for how the web worked, including how to access documents and set up your own server. CERN reinstated the page at its original address in 2013, so you can actually see it at http uh, info.cern.ch. Make sure you check that out. It's kind of interesting. The web was initially only available to CERN employees, but just over uh, two weeks later, it was made publicly available for anyone who had a computer to see and add to. As a result, today is called Internaut Day, made from the words internet and astronaut, and it's celebrating the first steps taken online. Big thanks this week to our community of viewers, Roy W. Nash in particular. Uh, We appreciate you submitting your stories to the newsroom. Uh, Make sure if you find... Whoa, happy Internet Day indeed. Whoo-wee. If you have a story you'd like to submit to Category 5's newsroom, email me, newsroom at category5.tv. For all the tech news with all Linux bias, with our Linux bias, we do have... A slight Linux bias, I admit. Uh, you just visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. And this week for the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Robbie Ferguson. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. My name's Robbie Ferguson, and it's nice to have you here. Folks in the chat room joking around, <laughs> this web thing will never catch on. Ha! It's a fad says sparkly balls and dennis kelly well hey it's nice to see you folks in the chat room nice to see albert r again and i know some folks have had some problems over the past little while with some buffering issues during the live show we're trying to get that under wraps we've gone through a couple of different iterations of a new server thanks to our friends at siglacero and tonight we're streaming live through an open source project called red five And I'm excited to be using open source in order to be broadcasting live. And it seems to be going fairly well, eh, folks? And for you watching on demand, of course, we're recorded to disc. Thanks to cat5.tv slash telestream. 
Hey, I want to say a big thanks to those of you who have contributed to the show this week, uh, to the network itself. We've had some monetary donations come in through the tip jar, and I really, really appreciate that. Uh, that is what helps us to pay the bills here at the studio, and the bills are sometimes plentiful. Our internet fees are high, and uh, this time of year we've got extra expenses that uh, we really appreciate you helping us offset. And also, those of you who have been using our partner links, going to stores like Amazon. I mean, you shop there anyways, so if you go there through our website, you'll actually be contributing at least 4% of your sale going right back into the show that you love. So that's all you have to do. Go to category5.tv, click on support us, and you'll find all the links that you need. And I want to say thanks so much to everybody who has been doing that. It makes a ginormous difference. It really does. And uh, I appreciate that so very much. All right. On with the uh, the stuff, you know, the, the housekeeping, you know, the stuff that I got to sweep under the rug. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Go to cat5.tv slash IAIB to see what the heck these guys are all about and why are we a part of it. All right, we're going to jump right back into your viewer questions. I've got a full mailbag this week, and I'm going to plow through as many as I possibly can within the next 12 hours. Let's jump right into your email, Tim. Tim A. writes us, and this is a long one, folks, so this could take us right through till tomorrow morning. Tim, first of all, and anyone who has encountered this, I apologize that we can't always get to your questions immediately. This one came in to us uh, on the 8th of the month, and today's the 23rd. And I regret that we can't always get to your questions right away. I really do. And I'm looking for ways to improve that. And we're going to make it happen. Tim, I appreciate your patience. I appreciate you hanging tight and being willing to, to stick with us. And, and hopefully I'm able to help you tonight. So here's Tim's email. Tim says, I'm trying to find a new way to get Plex to work on my living room TV, and I'm hoping a Raspberry Pi 3 is the answer, but I can't find anyone who actually owns one to test it and confirm. Here's my situation. About a year ago, I did an update on my Xbox 360, and it nerfed the media player. It now no longer supports AVI, WMP, and will now only play about 1% of the X264 MP4 movies that it played fine before the update. So I went out and bought a Seagate Personal Cloud, and it said that it could run Plex. I later found out that the processor is not powerful enough to do anything more than direct play, and since the Xbox 360 is nerfed, it's back uh, to only playing the select and few movies. I saw a video on YouTube that Category 5 did and tried asking uh, around Reddit, but got nothing. Before I get any further, here's my setup. Okay, I'm in a rental, so I'm trying to do this over my Wi-Fi. My Xbox 360 and my TV uh, are in the living room, uh, while the modem, router, cloud, and uh, so on are in another room, but close enough that I, that I do have full bars on my signal. I'm hoping one of these ideas will work. First of all, one, can I place the Xbox 360 with the Raspberry Pi 3 as the Plex client and be able to access the Plex library over the Wi-Fi network, and will it handle all the direct play X264 MKV and MP4 media that the Seagate personal cloud's processor can't handle, or maybe even, number two, 
keep the Xbox 360, plug the Raspberry Pi 3 directly into the Seagate's cloud USB for the library and use the Pi as the Plex server for the transcoding to the picky Xbox 360 over Wi-Fi. Uh, might help to know I'm only playing X264, MKV, and MP4s on it, and the Pi is only going to stream to one device at a time, I would presume. And also, if yes to either one or two, will it handle SRT and embedded MKV subtitles? Any help you can give would be greatly appreciated from Tim. Tim, thank you so much for the question and again for your patience as I get to it. All right. We need to understand the relationship of Plex Media Server to Plex, okay? We tend to think okay, by setting up a Raspberry Pi 3 and installing Plex Media Server, now we have Plex. Okay, that's fine. And we tend to think, okay, if we go out and buy the Seagate Cloud device and it says it supports Plex, that now it's going to be able to transcode all my files. No, not necessarily. Okay, so Plex Media Server is the transcoding engine, the backend, the server magic that takes all of your files, MKV, MP4, whatever you can throw at it, AVIs you mentioned, uh, MP3, M4A, name a, name a container. Plex will handle it. Plex on the Pi will serve that video to any of the devices that can run Plex as a client. Okay? So the first question is, is there a Plex client for the Xbox 360. And to find that out, I'm going to get into uh, the search engine here. Plex for Xbox 360. Plex for Xbox One. Plex for Xbox 360 on support.plex. What does it say? It has a FAQ. There, the, the Plex for Xbox 360 app does not currently... It, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, all right. You need to have... Uh, let's see. can usually be directly streamed. Yeah, of course. Okay. Observe. Here's what I'm saying. This is where the confusion comes in. The Plex for Xbox 360 app does not currently direct play media, right? It's saying... Yeah, the Plex app for Xbox 360 is not a transcoder. It doesn't change the file to a format that the Xbox 360 can play. However, if you read on, blah, 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 other content will need to be transcoded. How do we transcode it? We set up Plex Media Server on a Raspberry Pi 3. All right? So the Raspberry Pi 3, I would suggest hardwiring it with an Ethernet cable into your router, which then gives all of your Wi-Fi devices access to it through Wi-Fi, but it gives the fastest connection possible to Plex on your network, all right, rather than using Wi-Fi for the Plex Raspberry Pi itself. Understanding the relationship of the Plex client versus the Plex media server Think of the server as like a web server and your browser as your media client, okay? So the Xbox 360 client is what your web browser is to your computer. But without a web server, say Apache, you have no way to actually load websites. Yeah, you can download an HTML file and open it in your browser, but it's probably not going to look right, right? 
good example, right? So with the Plex Media Server running on the Raspberry Pi 3, plug your media into that, and then your Xbox 360, as well as your your other cloud device, is going to actually be able to connect to it using the client. And Plex Media Server acts as the transcoder. And it happens all on the fly. It happens in real time. There's nothing to it. So back to your questions. One, can I replace the Xbox 360 with the Raspberry Pi 3? Don't do it. No. The Raspberry Pi 3 is the transcoder, not the client. Okay? And then goes on. As the Plex client uh, and be able to access the Plex library over the... No. 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 Plex Media Server goes on the Pi 3. Plex client goes on your other devices to view what is being transcoded and provided by the Raspberry Pi 3's Plex Media Server. Okay, your second option that you've given me here, keep the Xbox 360 mm -hmm, and plug the Raspberry Pi 3 directly into the Seagate Cloud's USB. No. Uh, For the library. Seagate Cloud. You mentioned that that's that's a cloud device. It has, it's a NAS device, is it not? It's not an external hard drive. You don't want to just plug it directly in. No. That's a cloud device, my friend. No, that's not That's not it. What you want is to stick... If you've got all your media on there, sure. Then set up Samba sharing, CIFS sharing on your, uh, your Seagate cloud, okay? And then... Can, and then set up a mount point on Plex to automatically connect over CIFS on your network to the cloud device, which is also plugged into your your uh, router. Okay, so they're they're separate. You don't plug it into USB because that is what you would do with say a USB hard drive versus this, which is a cloud device. I don't know. It might give you it might give you the ability to plug it in via USB, but it seems like that's not quite the right option for you. And of course, if your media library is not already on there, you could just get any USB external hard drive. Something that's just a plain ext3 formatted drive would be perfect for plex on a raspberry pi 3 because it's linux right um if you get stuck from there i'll just say i hope that i've helped shed some light on it for you okay tim and if you're still stuck please pop me another email i promise i'm going to get to it a lot quicker and either way let me know if i've been of any help for you okay and of course our community is of great help if you can't get a hold of me if you can't get a hold of the studio we're busy here we get a lot of email friend and uh, i would suggest get into our chat room it's category five on freenode there's a great community there say hi everybody and uh not only that but a lot of them are there during the week and a lot of them have familiarity with plex uh, and uh, I'm one of them, and I'm there once in a while throughout the week, and I'd be glad to help you in there if I can. And, of course, send me an email, get it into us, and we'll be happy to help you. Pardon me, that way as well. All right, Tim, thank you so much. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our website can be found at www.category5.tv. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You can do so by joining us on Patreon and become a patron. Go over to cap5.tv slash Patreon to find out what it's all about, basically for just 25 cents per episode. I think we're worth that. For 25 cents an episode, you'd be able to support the show. And there's power in numbers. Hey, if we had just who 1,000 people at 25 cents per episode, all of our bills month to month would be paid. That's all it would take. 1,000 people, 25 cents. 
So if you can do that, please head on over to cat5.tv slash Patreon and see how you can support us. All right, onwards with our mailbag. We've got one here from Robert Kaiser. Robert, so nice to have you watching us. Thank you so much. Uh, Robert is emailing us from uh, the U.S. Army in, uh, in Fort Benning. Thank you so much for uh, messaging us. Uh, okay. Here's Robert's email. Robert says, uh, I noticed that on most of your videos, behind the scenes at Category 5 in particular, the audio was delayed and out of sync on the video. I have had similar problems with the older version of Wirecast that I'm using. The delay I have isn't consistent like yours. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, for example, a few frames delayed. My sync problems drift through the production. So when editing in Adobe Premiere Pro, uh, the fix isn't just to offset the audio by a few frames, but playing constant catch-up, eyeballing the sync. That sounds like frame drops. Uh, any suggestions to the problem? I'm using uh, a One Beyond stream machine uh, with audio from an audio board into the line in jack similar to your setup okay so that would be my first question bob uh is um is how you're getting the audio versus the camera feed so is it out of sync from each other so for example if i had a usb webcam and a direct line input microphone going through a board or whatever it is, my microphone is going to be a little bit faster getting to Wirecast than the camera because a webcam, a USB device, has to first compress and then Wirecast decompress the video. So you're going to have some frames behind. What you're describing, though, it sounds like you're getting progressively more and more out of sync. So um, you would sync up the audio, fix it, and then all of a sudden, halfway through the video, 30 minutes in, it's out of sync again. So that tells me that you're probably, your frame rate of your record to disc is probably wrong. I want you to look at your settings when you're recording to disc. It could also be something as simple as maybe the hard drive in your, in your computer that you're using to, to encode this is not fast enough for the throughput that you're giving it. So what can happen is your buffer uh, is going to try to keep up and then it's going to flush out to the disk. And then it's going to try to keep up, try to keep up, and then it's going to flush out to the disk because the disk itself maybe is not able to read and write at the speed that you're encoding at, which we encountered when we switched over to 1080p, 720p. We really had problems with that. And uh, looking at some of those old episodes where we made that switch, you'll really see that. And perhaps that's what you were seeing in some of those other things. You mentioned our behind the scenes. And behind the scenes typically was... Things like Google Hangouts and stuff like that. You're watching me live right now or on demand. This is not post-processed as far as my mouth. And as you can see, it's always perfect. And the synchronization is absolutely ideal. <clears throat> That's real time. Because our system is built to be able to keep up. So what we did is we upgraded to all good Kingston solid-state hard drives, and they're fast. And when you look at the drives, you've got to look at how fast can they write to the disk. And that is where I say never buy a drive that is going to write any less than 500 megabytes per second. Write, okay? Not read, write, because a lot of them will read at 520 megabytes a second, but only write at 360 or 400. And then you start to have those kinds of issues. So that might be something to do with it. It's an easy experiment to just pick up a Kingston hard drive that writes at 
500 and something megabytes a second, try recording to that. I also have uh, a different SSD for Wirecast and Windows versus the one that I write to. So the one that I'm writing to, recording to, is just for that purpose. I don't do anything else with that drive so that it always is just utilized for that. That said, I want to help you with this problem that you're having with some of these videos being out of sync. And I think I can do that. I've got a laptop here, um, which is currently plugged into my teleprompter. I'm going to unplug that from the teleprompter since we're done the news. And let's see if I can plug it in instead to Wirecast. And we'll see what happens here. And there we go. Teleprompter's up on Wirecast now. Okay, so what I want to show you here, Bob, is... Now, this is Microsoft Windows, of course. We broadcast through, and I do my editing on Windows. I'm more of a Linux guy myself, but the tools that are available on Linux, unfortunately, just aren't up to snuff when it comes to uh, broadcasting at this time. I'm really looking forward to when that happens, but Telestream Wirecast is fantastic, and I also love a tool uh, because I'm, you know, as a free service here, we're always looking for great deals on software, hardware, and I don't work with any uh, illegal software. Everything is fully licensed, and so it has to be stuff that we can afford. And so when, when we look at things like Adobe Premiere and After Effects and things like that and, and Vegas and, and the price associated with those, and then you look at something like CyberLink PowerDirector, and realize that PowerDirector can do a lot of the stuff that we want it to that we want to be able to do. Uh, that's why I opted for CyberLink PowerDirector. So that's what I have here. So I want to show you really quickly. Uh, now I've just done the unboxing of this uh, this Star Trek uh, Enterprise Starship Enterprise drone. So I have this video handy. And while my synchronization issue is not the same as yours. I'm not having out-of-sync issues. What I'm having is I've got multiple cameras and multi multiple microphones. The reason that I chose CyberLink PowerDirector version uh, 14 uh, is the current version. I can't wait for version 15 because it's also going to have 360 video. Um, but right now, the reason I chose version 14 specifically is because we always work with many cameras. And when I'm out in the field shooting drone videos, I've got a uh, an SJ cam on my head. I've got the SJ cam on the drone. I've got uh, two DSLRs running at least. I've got cameras all over me. Plus, I've got the headset microphone.